Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters and game masters on this plane of existence. couple of quick notes before we jump into the regular stuff. I was a guest DM on the Bad Venture Club. If you want to go check out the Bad Venture Club, the first episode of the Two Hot One Shot I did with them is live. The second episode should be dropping in a week. So if you want to go hear me running a game and recording myself for the very first time, and also hear what Two Hot One Shot is like, go check that out. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet to check out my guest spot on Nat One Nerds, that is also live. There are two episodes of me trying to play D&D Trivial Pursuit. A lot harder. I don't know if it's harder than I expected, but it was very hard. I got my first question right, and then I struggled from there. I don't know a ton about the game's history, but if you are one of those people who've played almost every module or know a lot about the rules, hearkening way, way back, you should go check that out and scream the answers at me while I'm getting them wrong. If you'd like to help support the show, you can check out my Patreon or my Linktree, which has a bunch of affiliate links at the bottom. If you're thinking about buying a new adventure or some new cool stuff to use for your game, or you're looking for a new nerdy t-shirt or mug or something like that, I've got links for all of those things. And by buying through my links, you're helping support the show as well. Also, if you don't want to donate monthly, you can't afford that sort of thing, but you do want to toss a couple bucks my way, I've got my PayPal and Ko-fi links there also. Last but not least, if you are a content creator and you want to take the next step in your journey by hiring some editors to help you produce things professionally, check out Episodify.com. Episodify are the folks that help me create this show, so they do a great job. I couldn't recommend them more, and they'll help you do podcasts or edit your videos for YouTube or your short content for TikTok or Reels or YouTube Shorts. Make sure to check out Episodify.com. All right, let's jump into this episode's guest intro. GM Justin is a professional DM who runs games for Mastermind Adventures and jumps into solo games on the Black Dragon Dungeon Company when he's not doing other things. Justin loves trying new systems and playing with new friends. Who knows, maybe one of these days you'll be a player on his next stream. Enjoy. Hey everybody, I'm GM Justin. You may see me around the social media spaces, either from TikTok to Twitter to threads to pretty much anywhere and everywhere. I am the co-founder for Black Dragon Dungeon Company, as well as a professional dungeon master for Mastermind Adventures. So if you're looking for a professional GM, holler at me and I'm more than happy to facilitate the game. I've been playing consistently since 2019. I had some coworkers of mine that were actually playing while we were on a deployment to Tyrak, and I decided to join in, watch them, see how it is. I had a little bit of experience in there with like free TTRPG days at some of the other places I've lived before, but this was like the first chance I had to like sit down with a group of people that I know and like actually take the time to learn Dungeons and Dragons. Since then, I've picked up the hobby and I haven't stopped playing since. That was probably pretty nice too, because with a group like that, where you're all working in a remote location, you probably had a pretty regular game going too, right? What else are people going to (laughs) do? It's like your schedule is pretty much set. So it's like, there's only so many hours in the gym that you can spend and then anything else to like to do, like you're going to try and figure out ways to entertain yourself. Do you remember how you transitioned from playing to deciding, hey, I want to try to run 
games like this and do you remember kind of how your first game went what the system was who the group was and kind of how it grew from there so it was a couple months it was later on in 2019 i had to come back to the states because i was of school i had to attend i was developing the itch not long within the school because it was only two months long so about halfway through the first month i was talking to my wife i was like hey i really want to run a game of dungeons dragons so I went to one of the local game stores, picked up the starter kit, and talked with a couple of my classmates just to see if anybody would be interested. And I got a couple people in, and we're all playing 5e. We just sat around the table. I had gotten a little inspiration from Acquisitions Incorporated, the source book. I think it just got released around that time. I made an adventure for them to play. We went to our common room, hung out for about like three hours and it was a good time some of those guys hadn't played since second edition in your experience since then up until now running games what do you feel like are some of the big mistakes or worst mistakes you've made while running games and then what lessons do you think that we as listeners could learn from them so that we don't make the same mistakes while we're running games for our own players i think it'll always come down to expectation management when it comes down to the game and that requires having that session zero when i developed my home group that i'll talk about a lot on twitter on threads we had jived together pretty well so when we brought in another player we had a session zero so to speak but there wasn't that expectation of like setting the boundaries making sure everybody was comfortable with things we just did the character creation so i think Had we done that, we wouldn't have ran into a couple of the issues that we had ran into in that campaign. I've tried to incorporate what to expect with whatever we're playing, whether it's a one-shot mini campaign. Hey, what does this look like for everybody here? Does everybody jive? Are we all cool with each other? Making sure like we're all comfortable with the boundaries that are set forth and making sure that we are able to have a good time. Are there any um, specific things you can share with us, obviously with respect to the privacy of you and your group that kind of popped up that you feel like you could have handled better if you had done a session zero? I think one of the instances is when we had started a new campaign, we had brought somebody in, things just weren't jiving as well. So there were a couple things that were popping up before was like, I, you know, I had to talk with him because he was a really good friend of mine. It's just, it wasn't jiving with the group. So uh, eventually it came down to like, well, we'll just split off from here and we'll continue on the story. And then he left the group. We're still good friends. It's just, we just don't play Dungeons and Dragons anymore. Honestly, a good example and good to hear because I feel like number one, people assume that if they are friends, then they're going to work well together at a gaming table, which exactly as you are explaining to us, isn't always the case. And I think that people also worry that they have to be really good friends with the people they game with outside of the game. Like they haven't been friends with them already. And I think that's also not necessarily the case too, but it's good to hear that there are people out there who can handle things maturely like this and can agree. Okay. We had different expectations for this. But that doesn't have to impact our relationship outside of the game, right? Even if we're not going to keep rolling dice together, we can still be friends. You always kind of get the sense, like, had people had those conversations, those very open and honest conversations, 
it probably would have solved a lot of the issue and things may not have transpired as they did. At least that's the take that I always get when I listen to these. Are there any times from particular games that you've run or been a player in that were a lot of fun or really memorable or exciting, emotional, that kind of thing that you can share with us? I had a player come in, join the group, brand new player. She was just getting familiar with the group and everything. I had given them a ninth level wish spell scroll for them to use, and they kind of forgot about it for a little bit. They had came back to the material plane. They were talking about what to do because we were also playing Tyranny of Dragons. They were like, hey, you should take a look at this. So they handed it to her. She's like, what's this? It's a spell scroll. Her character had read through it. And then they're like, all you got to do to start the spell scroll off is start with I wish. And so she wished for other dragon masks within the world to be brought over to them. And at that point is when I realized I am no longer running Tyranny of Dragons anymore. I am on my own. Thank you. I'm sailing the ship from here. (laughs) It ended up leading out to where a full-on invasion had taken place. They set their home base in Greenest. Greenest ended up being taken hostage. And the players asked me, hey, how did they find us? And I told them, you guys did the equivalent of a magical nuclear detonation going off. Like the entire town is radiating magical energy it's not hard to pick up what had happened or something big happened so red wizards of thay all these other magical creatures instantly drawn to it they're like oh probably shouldn't have done that that's a creative way to give them what they ask for but still raise the stakes because you can't just end the game there right probably would have been narratively less satisfying Has there been a time where a player totally messed up your prep work, your plans, what you had designed for things to happen, and you just had to make something up on the spot? So that's one of them. The other one happened to have been from the one shot that I ran with Queen's Court Games for Uncaged Goddesses, She Who Ran the World module. There was a bit where Kate, whose social media tags are Katiosaurus, when they encountered Tiamat down in Avernus, the entire party was met with her being chained up in this cavern by Bell and Asmodeus. And so they were like, hey, why don't you come with us? We'll be able to fight this together. And she's like, well, I can't. I'm stuck here, but I have my avatars. And then Kate decided they were going to completely circumvent the chains because I had said that they had divine magic surrounding them. So they instead melded into stone, went behind where the chains were anchored, and started pushing them out. And I'm like, I had never even thought of that. Okay, we're going to roll some percentage dice and just kind of go from there. As a one-shot, too, it's definitely pretty linear. Like You've only done so much prep work because it's supposed to follow this relatively similar story path. That can always be fun when they throw you off like that. Absolutely. And then because they take damage every time like they go through this, so they had to do this five times total to break the chains of Tiamat. They messed up one, so I think the total count that we ended up doing was about 32d6 of damage is what they would have had to have taken. But to counter that, 
I did a whole dramatic shake as Tiamat. We ended up still rolling the damage, but I said that they were engulfed by these massive heat that radiated from her wings, and they got the effects of a long rest. And I want to say that it was upwards in possibly the hundreds of hit point damage they would have taken, but I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. It would be around that, just with some quick math. In my head, I was doing the math. I was like, 32d6, okay, multiply that by three and a half. So yeah, (laughs) I'm sure it was a lot. I was like, thank God for this long rest effect that you guys are taking, because that would have been gnarly. (laughs) It's always fun to be able to reward player creativity like that on the fly, even when you don't expect it, right? Do you have any homebrew rules or practices or that kind of thing that aren't necessarily part of like the published suggestions that you include in your games to make them run more smoothly or be more fun or engaging? I came across an issue with regards to what to do when a player rolls a creature's armor class. And the standard thing that, that I've seen is like if it meets, it beats, right? But I kind of found that a little boring. So I started like doing a little bit of research. I stumbled upon the dungeon coaches rules that kind of like help amplify the game a bit. And that's when I watching the video, he mentioned the glancing blow and I'm like, Oh, that's pretty awesome because it's versatile in that not only can it be a thematic bit in the event, the armor class exactly is rolled, but if we're dealing with a high AC creature, I have a range to give these folks to be able to do damage to it, but half damage versus like the full on damage, or they're just not doing the damage at all. I have a creature that's a armor class of 25. Well, your glancing blow range is going to be from 20 to 25 and then 25 and onward. That's the full blow, but you're doing damage. It's just not as much. So if I ever run one, I always make sure to mention that, Hey, this is how we do. This instance, as well as instances of high armor class creatures. So do you do that with every creature or is it just limited to kind of the ones that are like what you're describing? Pretty high ACs. I pretty much limited to high AC creatures because if it's like armor class of 16, 17, I don't really need that. The glancing blow will only be if you roll like that 17 to meet it. It's when we're looking for 20 and onward. That's where I'm going to like start working to say like do we need to do the glancing blow for this creature or is it still going to be within reason for depending on the modifiers that the players have that they can still meet that without needing to make that natural 20 that's a good idea and it makes it it kind of gives them a chance to feel like they're still doing something even if the creature has a super high ac yeah absolutely and it gets boring after a little bit like If you're just rolling and because it has a high armor class, you're not making those hits. It may drive you to be a little more creative and see where that goes. And I still want that kind of creativity, but I also want to make you feel like you're still doing that damage. You're still whittling your way. It may be a little bit of a slog, but we're getting somewhere. We're still moving forward. Yeah, I like that. And now a word from How Not to DM sponsors. This week, first up, we got the Next to Nothing Network. Next to Nothing is a show with my friends Danny K, Mendachi, and Mr. Green Elite. They 
have a show where every week on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time, they're live on Twitch talking about video games, talking about tabletop games, talking about all kinds of different games. They love to dive into affordable gaming, hence the next to nothing name. They want to talk to you about the most affordable way to play all of the games you love, to get into gaming, to do those kinds of things. So Next to Nothing is a great show. They also have a an actual play that's anime-influenced called VRCana, and that comes out on Saturdays on YouTube, so the episodes are up on Saturday, and you can go check those out. They've got a backlog of those. They've also got all of the video on demands. They also have all of the VODs of the Next to Nothing show that they do on Tuesday night. So if you ever want to go check out what they had to say on any other kinds of games from the past, then you can do that too. Really love Danny K, really love Mendachi, really love Mr. Green Elite. Uh, Mendachi was one of my backers on my Kickstarter and it meant a lot to me. So make sure to check out those three and support them however you can. Next up, a trailer for Snyder's Return. My friend Adam from the UK. Snyder's Return is a tabletop roleplay interview and actual play podcast. We chat with content creators from both mainstream and indie publishers, and we release actual play episodes of systems like our City of Mist game, Meddlers, Monsters and Mabin, and more games coming in the future. We also have a TTRPG review show on YouTube, Fly Like a D6. Come and check us out. You can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder, Instagram, Snyder's underscore return. You can find us on YouTube at Snyder's Return, Discord, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Adam has had a ton of really cool guests on his interview show, some of which I am quite jealous of. So if that tells you anything, the show is quality. Go check it out. Last but not least, I want to shout out Sagas, which stands for Setting and Genre Agnostic System. It is a rules-light TTRPG designed to easily slot into any character and any world. It uses a feature-based character building system and allows you to mix and match actual abilities instead of tracking a dozen different numbers or more. In addition to hundreds of character features to choose from, there are also guidelines for quickly making your own. This allows for you to play in established worlds with no existing tabletop game like Horizon or Pokemon or One Piece or any other of your favorite shows or movies. You can check out Saga's Playtest, which is available on DriveThruRPG right now, and I'll make sure to throw that link in the episode show notes if you are interested. And now, let's jump back into the show with a little Co-Wickfire Chaos. This week on Quickfire Chaos, it's the classic. Justin and I are rolling on some D100 tables from the internet to create a random scenario to roleplay together. So we've got four D100 tables. We're going to kick it off with the quest first. So go ahead and give me that first D100 roll and let's see what we get. Um, That's going to be a 67. The thing that needs to be fetched is a weather control slash predictive device. Let's start off with the NPC ones now. So the first one we'll do is the NPC job. Whoever you're role-playing, we're going to figure out what they do. Um, That is going to be a 74. A wizard. Okay, that's easy enough. Let's do their voice next. So how they sound. It's going to be a 64. Gives a succinct answer and proceeds to explain it in 10 different ways. 
And the last table will be a personality trait for this wizard. Uh, that's going to be a 53. Indecisive. Characterized by lack of decision and firmness, especially under pressure. An indecisive wizard who can't help but explain themselves or over-explain themselves needs a weather control or prediction device. I haven't been a Goliath in a while. I'm going to be a Goliath, woodsy, kind of rangery, druidy type. So got on very natural colors. Maybe I've got a falcon on my shoulder. So I look like I could track something down if I needed to. So yeah, that's what I'll look like. Uh, I'll let you take it from here. I'm probably out in the middle of a field. It's a little bit cloudy. The wind's kind of blowing in a bit of pretty good gusts and pretty good gusts at times kind of signaling the fact that a storm is coming so you would imagine that there's probably that in the middle of this field you'll have myself which is wearing these gray cloaks i have like a little bit of a short white beard you can definitely tell i've aged a little bit with my peppered hair as i'm just kind of like fiddling around with this mechanical contraption that i have here as i'm just kind of like messing around and stuff I'm working on it, trying to like do, you'll hear like pops as you kind of approach to it. And as you'll hear me like slightly just like, turn it. <laughs> just muttering under your breath. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I'll probably try to make my steps a little bit louder and more pronounced so that you can hear me coming and you're not surprised because I'm not sure how powerful you are and how prone you are to defend yourself in circumstances like this. Uh, and I'll kind of like clear my throat. <clears> throat> well, don't just stand there. Just come on over here. I can hear you're stepping over. Cause just uh, there's no reason in being in being trying to be discreet. If I can hear your full steps, then you can just come on over. <clears throat> yes, uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Um, they told me I could find you out here, uh, and that you needed me to go find something for you. Uh, wh- what are you working on? Oh, yes, I'm working on a contraption, um, but I'm going to need a little bit of assistance with this. Um, if I can, I need you to head over and find me a weather contraption um, that controls and or tells me a little bit of what to expect. I need something more than a rock. I've seen the rock trick. I've done it. doesn't work as well as they said it did. You're, you're talking about the rock that's like tied to a rope hanging from a pole that that rock we're not going to discuss my my previous failed experiments okay <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry <clears throat> yeah okay uh do you do you have any lead on on where such a device might be or what it looks like or who has it you know I, it's kind of an open-ended quest otherwise you would see as he like turns over to face you and he's like well, um, it could. Well, let's start here. And he'll point over to, to the small village. And you're like, well, you can start over there. Then maybe I actually have things. I'm not entirely sure, but I've heard rumors. I've gone in there a couple of times. People generally just don't like to like mess with me or anything. So they just give me what I want. I should come back out here. Or, and I'm going to point over to like the Northeast. And like, there's uh-huh. a city about like two to three miles over that way. There may or may not be some creatures in there. From another failed experiment, I'm not entirely sure. We're not pushing blame on anything. Just you know, if that's a, that's a, that's an avenue you can probably take a look at. Um, and then this would probably repeat about every direction, every cardinal direction possible. <laughs> before it's like, well, now it's up to you. Where do you look to go? 
<laughs> he's he's gone like he's done the north by northeast and the south by <laughs> southeast and like, every single one. Uh, <clears throat> wow, um, that was a lot of information. Okay, uh, maybe I will just go to the nearest library or magic college and see if they have uh, any more concrete leads. Otherwise. I'll probably spend the rest of my life wandering uh, this this realm, trying to find this thing that, that you're you're describing here. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> listen. Uh, what, what was your name, friend? Oh, my name is Hex. Uh, is Hex? We'll just call it Hex for short. If I give you the name, we're going to be here for another five minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, Hex is great. Uh, listen, Hex. I- I'll I'll start with the nearby towns, I guess, and and work my way out. Uh, in exchange for me bringing you this thing, of course. Uh, and I kind of like rub my fingers together a little bit. You know, uh, what what can I expect? Um, my undying gratitude, and if you settle down, a guaranteed free slot in making sure you get the weather you need. Uh, like. A weather report, like what's coming. Yes, but no. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> well. Uh. Um. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll give it a, a shot. Uh, I'm not promising anything. Uh. Maybe if you don't hear from me for a week or two, you uh you hire somebody else. <laughs> Okay, well, um, if that's the case, and then at that point, you'll see as he kind of, like, reaches into a pocket, he'll toss you, like, a small little bag. Um, It'll contain about, like, 15 gold pieces. Like, here's for your front little bit to kind of get you going. I think this should be enough. Oh, uh, okay, yes. Uh, this this is this is better. Uh, not that, you know, predicting the weather isn't important, but uh, this, this helps uh, pay the bills, as it were. Well, if I get this thing working, then I'll be able to help you pay more than just the bills there, sir. That's quite the high claim. Uh, let's uh, let's see what, what you can do. Uh, all right, I'm going to go find this weather machine for you then, pal. Good luck, Hex. I'll see you shortly. Take it easy. We'll see you here in a few. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think you really did the indecisive and giving way too many answers really well that's i'm i'm impressed <laughs> wow thanks justin that was fun yeah no problem inevitably when people listen to these or slash when i make them do this usually the person says oh i'm gonna use that for my own game but i am 100 percent gonna throw this hex wizard into some game of mine just because that was too much fun i think people will like him oh by all means like with some of these npcs like i go off the deep end with some of them with some of them, others, I kind of keep them kind of basic. But, you know, it's just one of those things, like, it just depends on the situation that the NPC derives from. We've talked a lot about your philosophies and kind of your experience running games, but now I want to dive into your um, work in the tabletop role-playing game sphere. I know that you have a show, you guest GM on a few channels here and there. I'd love to kind of touch on each of them and, and talk about how they came to be and, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish with them and that kind of stuff. So. Let's kick it off with Black Dragon Dungeon Company, because you mentioned that by name already. So what is Black Dragon Dungeon Company for people who haven't heard of it yet? It's a TTRPG group with my friend John, where we're pretty much just kind of being a variety of a deal. You'll see on Drive Through RPG that we've, and also DM's Guild, 
we published a couple things, sub race of elf, as well as taking the Caltrapcore uh, system and developed a couple games along fitting within that system. You can take a look over there to be able to see what we've done there. We just set up a website. One of the things that we'll probably look to do is begin publishing a lot more stuff on the website, that one-stop shop for everybody to come check out, see what we're doing, see what our projects are. Yeah, so it sounds like it touches on a variety of things, right? You've got like the podcast portion where you're talking about different systems or supplements, the games, like you said. Caltrop Core is a lot of fun, so it's always fun to see kind of what other people have done with such a basic skeleton framework that Lex wrote up and see what kind of flavor you can introduce. So what's been the most fun thing to work on? And if you hate deciding that kind of thing like me, what's the most recent thing you guys are working on with Black Dragon Dungeon Company? So this was more John's baby than anything else. It's the Lonely RPGs where he sits down and does reviews for a lot of solo RPGs that are out there. In case you may be in the mood to play a TTRPG, but you just don't have a group. Well, if you take a look on our YouTube channel, You'll see as he has a variety of videos about the solo TTRPGs that are out there and available for people. And I've taken a couple of those myself just to play because sometimes, whether it's because of bad internet or me and my group can't reach for a week, you know, I'll play a game by myself just to kind of pass time, you know? Solo TTRPGs are definitely gaining traction, I feel like. And especially for the reasons you listed, right? Like just not being able to play internet, whatever the reason is. And it's always fun to see kind of what people have thought up because a lot of these are really in depth and they have a lot of replayability too, right? You could play them multiple times and always get different results and, and discover different parts about the game. I've played a handful myself that are really fun, but I also love listening to other people kind of talk about them and think about all of the fun stuff that you could do. How about your experience running games professionally for Mastermind Adventures? How did you decide you were going to start running games professionally? And you know why did you pick Mastermind Adventures out of the other options there are out there? I've asked the question because I've been curious about it. And whenever I think professional, I think somebody with some sort of certificate, some sort of certification. So I was just kind of curious to see how to go about that. So when Amber hit me up and said, hey, this company is hiring. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I interviewed with them. They hired me and I put up my listing and like, hey, if you are new to the TTRPG space, if you're new to D&D, I figure I offer that out there for anybody who just wants to learn how to play D&D because at times, even now, like I take a look at teaching people here that I work with and it can be a lot. So why don't we just skip through that? I give you your character sheet. We run through a fun little adventure and you have your first experience with Dungeons and Dragons or whatever system that we're playing in. And from there, you can decide if you want to keep going or venture out on your own, whatever you decide to do. Yeah, when I was first trying to get into playing, I remember being super intimidated by the whole character creation thing. You look at a character sheet that's blank and there's so many boxes to fill. And when you start reading through how to do it, there's a lot of different math and stuff that's referring to this and that. And you're trying to figure out how it's linked. And unless you are very dedicated or you've got someone looking over your shoulder that's helping you with every step, it's tough. 
There's stuff like D&D Beyond or other online systems that kind of like walk you through it a little bit easier than doing it yourself. But I feel like that is definitely the biggest hurdle is figuring out how to set up a character to play. So whenever I do new players, I also just have a bunch of pre-gens and like, here you go. We're going to play first. You figure out how it works. Then we can decide like if you're going to keep playing, how do you want to flavor your first character? You know, what's it going to be like? Did you try to run games with people and like do the whole character creation thing first and then realize it took too much time? Or did you just jump straight to, I'm going to do it for you, and then we'll go from there? Yeah, and this was more of a family kind of a deal where me and my wife went home and a bunch of her family members were like, hey, since you know how to run it, can you show us how to play it? And so I sat them down through an adventure but I also had them do the whole character creation process. And so that took a while. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that again with new players because I felt like I confused them at points. And I think it just would have been easier for them like, hey, here's a character sheet. Here's the basic information. Name it whatever you want to. Take all sorts of liberty with how you want to play them. But for the most part, here are the numbers. Tell me what you want to do, and I will point you in the direction that you got to roll. As far as your advice to people who are trying to get into running games professionally, then, I'm interested to know what the interview process was like for Mastermind Adventures. I know it's not going to be the same across all of the different platforms that do this kind of thing, but yeah, what was it like? What were they looking for as far as like benchmarks? So if other people are thinking about doing this, they know what to work toward or they know what the criteria is. It's general, what is it? From what I had gathered, it was just having that understanding of like how a game should run, what my play style is, and customer service as far as like making sure that our customers are satisfied to the best of our abilities, as well as like setting those expectations of like my GMing style and my GMing philosophy are, and just making sure that if I'm running for new people, we're catering the experience to them because that's what they're paying for. And some of the questions are, it's been a while, but I want to say it's like, I was asked like how I would run certain things in certain situations. Um, and I gave it to the best of my abilities. I mean, what one group of people will do is obviously going to be different than from another. So it's one of those, this isn't your group of friends that you're meeting with. These are obviously paying customers that you got to sit down, talk with and make sure that you are delivering what they're looking to get into. And if not, if my jamming style is not what they're looking for, well, that's cool. Hey, I don't think this would work between us, but I think, you know, and just moving it to another person, because if somebody's asking for a very serious game, <laughs> that's not me as a person. And especially as a GM or as a player, like I can have my serious moments, but I like to be goofy and I like to ease tension. So I'm always going to default to like making those jokes if I'm running a horror game like Call of Cthulhu, I'm still going to make jokes and kind of naturally just ease the tension a little bit before diving back into the game that we're playing into. It is very different, I'm sure, when you are having people pay you to do that. All good things to think about and consider if, if someone's trying to get their feet wet and trying to jump into that side of things. Last but not least, tell us about RPG In. Learn about how that kind of started and you know what the big goals are and how that's going soul from souls rolls had reached out to me and asked if i would be interested in joining the rpg in 
which is a cooperative endeavor in a community of marginalized tabletop RPG streamers, content creators, and pretty much the goal of it is just to develop a community and an inclusive space to be able to support one another and just to lift up marginalized groups. So that I'm more than happy to help anybody else out. I mean, especially like if we've had conversations, we've had interactions, like I'm always down to help out boost whatever projects other people are doing. So when he asked if I was interested in joining, I was like, for sure, I'm happy to do so. They've actually been helpful with me when I did the one shot with Queen's Court Games. I mean, especially when it came to like helping out and developing like some of the music selections that you would listen during the adventure that we did, because I had never developed a playlist for an RPG before or just pretty much for anything. I know there's a lot of people out there that do the whole, this is my character and this is his or her playlist. And I've never done that before, so I needed a little help. And they were very helpful with that. That's awesome. Lastly, you've been making a push to kind of make more content on TikTok. And Bahamut knows I am also trying but failing miserably. So I'd love to know what your strategy is. Trying to create this content, is there a particular thing you're trying to accomplish with it? And do you have any tips or tricks for those of us like myself who are struggling to be consistent and to think of interesting and engaging things to make videos about that's a little bit of a hard one because i've kind of gotten into a little bit of a of a rut myself because i started on tiktok making D content and i would get into the rhythm of like i make a video a day and that gets pushed out so that way like i'm consistently doing it and i want to say i did that for roughly about a year maybe a year and a half before things kind of slowed down so One of the things I know that I've heard throughout the space is that find something that you enjoy making and put it out there. That's honestly what it is. And it's like, what is it that you find fun? And you got to remember that it's out of your control whether or not a video that you make about this one subject goes viral. Or if you make this entire series and you get like maybe two, three hundred views consistently, X amount of likes. It's random. It's up in the air. You don't have any control over it. So keep that in mind and put out what you want to put out there. Someone's going to find it interesting and you're going to gain a following. And plus, especially if you throw in like aspects of like what you're thinking, what you're feeling, you as a real life person, to whatever extent of comfortability that you are with letting people, obviously the internet know that even my own experiences on TikTok, like I gravitate towards that. I want to know the person behind who's making the content that I enjoyed listening to or watching. I like that. Okay, so consistency, personal touch, make stuff that's interesting to you, and then also realize that the algorithm is an unknowable entity that none of us can please consistently. (laughs) That's the one that, not that I struggle with, but it's just always a little hard. Like In a lot of aspects of life, if you put in time and effort, you get better at something like practicing But social media is one of those things where like you might be posting consistently, but doing something wrong or something that just missing something that people find interesting. And therefore it it all doesn't perform as well as you expect. So yeah, it's, it is what it is. You know, we can't change it really. Can we? I remember it was in the early days of the pandemic. And I want to say it was not long after ByteDance had taken over and they changed because it was musically at the time and changed over into TikTok that like what they were doing back then was just like 
small little skits here and there. You had a few filters, but for the most part, it was what you threw out there and people were consuming it. And now fast forward to nowadays where it looks, people make professional grade stuff. And it's like, well, you do what you can. And like Vivian mentioned before, the algorithm's going to either take it and push it to everybody, or you're going to have a few people that are going to watch it pretty consistently. So do what you can, right? Do you have any fun upcoming projects you want to share or tease stuff that you're working on or goals that you're working on over the next year or so? There is a recording that I'll be doing with a couple other creators in August that will look to get released in October. In addition to that, another project that I had recorded late last year and early this year is still pending release. It's with a couple of other veterans from each of the different branches of the service. We kind of got together with Danny from Cottlesworth. We did a mini campaign for the Alien TRPG system. Be on the lookout for when that gets released. And I think really my goals probably for the next year are just to continue to kind of get myself out there, do more of the GMing versus the playing, kind of like what I did with Queen's Court Games. Just kind of get myself out there, see where things go. If there's a group out there who want to have you guest GM for them on stream or on podcast or have games that in particular that they want you to run to help showcase, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you about that? Hit me up on all of my social medias at Forever GM Justin. I'm pretty responsive to that. You can also hit me up on Discord, same name. And otherwise, just if you see me out in the TTRPG spaces, by all means, say hi. Let me know where you heard me from. And let's start a dialogue. Let's see where things go. Even if it's just like, hey, thank you for your support and hope to catch you around. For the last question here, Justin, I'd love to hear what your advice is for people out there who are running games or who are thinking about running games. If you had like one or two or three little nuggets of wisdom you've distilled over the years, what would they be? There is no perfect scenario or any adventure out there. If you want to get into GMing, learn your system, come up with an adventure with something very bare bones and run it. It's not going to be perfect. And if you've played before, you know that the players will come up with something off the wall and you just kind of got to go with it. Don't wait for things to be perfect. Just learn the system, learn as best you can and go with it. Where can people find you? You know, what are your handles and stuff? And where can people find the handles for all of the different stuff you are involved with as well, like Dungeon Company, RPG in, etc.? My handles are the uh, number four ever GM, Justin. Um, and that's pretty much for every social media out there. I also have a beacon link within my bio. So you can be able to pull that and it'll have pretty much the links to everything that I'm doing. The website for the Black Dragon Dungeon Company is www.blackdragondungeoncompany.com. So Google it, it'll pop up, and you'll be able to find and see all the stuff that me and John are working on and kind of keep up to date with our lives and everything we got going on in TTRPG spaces. Awesome. Well, thanks a ton for joining me, Justin. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I know... You're quite busy with all the different projects you've got going, so I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to chat with me about them and about your experience and uh, share all your wisdom with us. Hey, not a problem. Thank you again for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. 
Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now let's jump into a little sneak peek of next week's guest, Cade, the DM from the Bad Venture Club. You know the one I've been talking about, the one that where they let me come on and let me run a game for them? Yeah, that one. The one that you have already listened to, definitely, because I've told you to multiple times. Let's hear from Cade. My very first experience with D&D, uh, I was maybe seven. Oh. And we were at a family reunion. And my second cousin said, do you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? And I said, sure. And we made characters, and then I had to go home. Oh, no. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you've been playing a lot longer than a lot of us then. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, or you've been into it, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so so your whole spiel about being, <laughs> being new, I don't buy it. Okay. Yeah, so my, my first time playing it was when I was seven. Do you remember the I, character at all? I remember it was an elf ranger. Yeah. Um, and that is everything I remember. We spent like an hour of him like explaining the rules to me and like our other second cousins. And we were just a bunch of little kids, obviously. Right. And he was like, here's how you play. Here's what we're going to do. And like all this stuff. And we like get our characters all built. And then he's like, all right, sorry, guys, I got to go. <laughs> we we're like, sick, man. Okay. Catch you never because you, you're uh, a second cousin and I'll never see you again. I was going to say, have you ever seen him again? I've been doing more and more of these in-person interviews like this one, and this one was actually in-person in my house, in my basement, in the How Not To studio. So, make sure to check it out. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've ever enjoyed any of my episodes, a great way to support How Not To DM is by leaving me a review, either on Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or Podchaser, or Good Pods. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can check out my Linktree, linktree.com slash hn2dm, or in the episode notes, as always, you can drop me a tip on PayPal or on Ko-fi, or you can buy something through my affiliate links, which will give me a percentage of the sale, thereby helping me keep running the show. I have an affiliate link with 1985 Games. They sell a bunch of cool 2D terrain that you can carry around with you wherever you need to go, along with a bunch of other different kinds of game supplements. You could buy a t-shirt or a mug or a flag at gemmedfirefly.com. You could buy some new dice from Adventure Dice. They're a smaller dice maker based in Canada. Really good friends, and they have some awesome offerings. Coming up soon, they're going to be selling their Advent calendars, which are a big seller. Advent calendars for the holiday seasons for those geeks in your life who would love to open up and get a new dice for every day of the holiday that you plan on celebrating. That'll be 10% off at Adventure Dice. I love Adventure Dice. I've got a few of the sets myself. I get sets for my players every Christmas just because it's a fun thing to give and get as a geek. I also have links for Hero Forge where you can build your own 3D printable characters. You can buy them pre-painted or you can buy them unpainted. You can also buy the STFL files and print them yourself. Also, I've got links to DMs Guild and DriveThru if you're planning on buying any new games or modules or anything like that in the coming future. So those are a few ways you can support me. Check those out again in my link tree and you can find that in my episode notes or at linktree.com slash HN, the number two DM. That was a lot, but I appreciate you for listening through it. And you all know the drill by now. Until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.